a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Really Healthy, brought to you by Alpine Plastic Surgery. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Mitchell. And I'm Melanie Douglas. We appreciate you being here today, and uh, this has been a fantastic journey that we've been on. We want you to know about our website. You can go visit it. It's uh, thereallyhealthyshow.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook on Really Healthy Podcast. Love to have you. Love all of your comments. We've got an exciting show today. We have with us a guest. They, a, a guest. You are our first guest, by oh, the really? way. Yes. Right yes. on. Well, Congratulations. David Kozlowski, who's a licensed family and marriage therapist. counselor. Therapist. Wonderful. Yeah. And yeah. so he's here to talk to us about kind of about food and our relationship to food and kind of my journey and what I've been through and, and the, the mental aspect, the psychological aspect of of being healthy and and that relationship with food. All right, so let's kind of talk, I guess, start with my journey. So I went on this show, The Biggest Loser. Yeah, And I, I came home, and, and that, that's what I looked like. And I how looked, long ago was that? So that was four years ago. Four it, years. it was almost to the day four years ago from where we were. I remember that was the only episode now. of The Biggest Loser. Not the only episode, the only season I ever watched. And I watched it because you're on it, because I'm a fan of yours. Well, thank you. I uh, I don't know that I've actually watched the whole season. It's too personal. It's too hard. And yeah. it was it was an incredible experience. And I can tell you when I was there in those photos, I was like, oh, I'll never gain weight again. Yeah. I will never, ever gain weight again. This has been amazing. And I was I was actually eating healthy and I was doing very well. But I just I just kept gaining weight. I just kept gaining weight and I kept gaining weight. And as you were gaining weight, were you feeling, did it make you feel panicked or did it make you feel like you were losing control or what did that feel like? So initially they said, you'll gain a little bit of weight. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay. And, and I was working out, I was running like seven, eight miles a day and I was, but most of what I did was cardio. I, I wasn't lifting weights or anything yeah. like that. And I was eating very healthy, you know, just following a lot of the, the food that I ate on the show, which was wonderful. It was great. And I loved it. Uh, but it was it was very healthy, and then I just slow. I, but I just c- continued to I just continued to gain weight, and then I started to see myself get into old habits, and old routines, uh-huh. and and the the stress of my life. Uh, I moved, you know, I moved my, you know, we sold our house and we were building another house, and so I moved. I lived in my mother in law's basement, which could send anyone, you know, into you know oblivion to live with your mother in law. Yeah. No, my mother-in-law is a nice, nice lady. She's if you had to have a mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is a good one. And but a so, big life change. So yeah, and so but but it was just my life, and just so I was back in 
the 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 temptations, the flow, the routine, the stresses, all of what my life was, and not only stresses, but also like the celebrations. You know, it was people's birthdays, or it was Thanksgiving, or it was you know all the things that we celebrate. And I was I saw myself going back to that place, and then I had this kind of moment, which is kind of the start of this whole show. Yeah. Where I just said, you know, I'm not, get, I'm not going there. I'm not going back. I'm not. I'm, I've got to figure out a way to f- to be healthy in my everyday life, and and that's that's what got me on the and path. And this to moment this for you show. was about a year ago, right? And this was about a year ago. Yeah, yeah it took a year for us to get to this make thing. this happen. Yes, and I'm very grateful that it has. Yeah. Uh, and I, I it, this is hard for me. I mean, this is like like I can do so many things very well. You know, I, I, I played professional football for 12 years very well. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm really good at, and this is one that I'm not. I'm really good at not being really good at being healthy. So I guess that makes me really bad. And, and, I, and it frustrates me. It's humiliating. It's, a, it's such a hard thing because I just, I can't, and I want to do it. You know, yeah. like I look at you guys, and you're healthy, and you look good, and, and it's like I want to be there. But I, I'm just that—that that was a challenge for me to find that in my everyday life. Just telling you. In the short time that I've known Scott, I feel like I hear him talk about how it was humiliating, humiliating, or that I guess he beats himself up over it. So how do you not do that? How do you not associate yourself to your food and fitness successes, or like let that mean that you're a failure if you don't do it well or right? Well, first of all, if you don't mind, I just want to comment what you said as far as you painted a picture of, you know, a successful football player and all these things. But as far as being real and talking about my struggles with, you know, weight loss and being healthy, you say you're not good at that. Well, I'm pretty sure you had more reps at throwing a football than you were at eating healthy. People only get better with what they practice. Yeah. And so now you're practicing something totally different. So back to the relationship with yourself. You know, the relationship you have with food is a big part of the relationship you have with yourself. And most people don't have to be a psychologist or therapist to know that the relationship you have with yourself, that's a relationship you take to every other relationship in your life. So live with your mom, set uh, mom in the basement. I, I did that when I first came to California. Come back here to Utah and start my career and just recently got married. And I know that that can create a whole lot of emotional mental distress, especially for a man wanting to be able to provide for his family. And I don't know how many kids you have. I know you have children, correct? Yeah, I have two at home. You have two at home? Five total, but two at home. And we'll we'll get into that a little bit more, but um, I'm excited to talk to you and not to therapize you or be your therapist, but a lot of stuff you're saying, a lot of stuff you're saying, (laughs) a lot of stuff you're sitting there, you're saying, I'm sitting there going, uh, this can be an interesting conversation because I've had some, something about this past year and a half, I've had, so my specialty is, is families. Okay, specifically adolescents, preteens, younger adults, and their family relationships. And where do we eat food at? Where do we first start a relationship with food? With with our families. And in certain cultures, most cultures, food is a representation of love. So we can go off on all different topics on on that, just that alone right there. But um, the fact that you're here, the fact that you're doing the show, I think this is huge because any time a man has an opportunity to to sit and listen to a podcast, listen to a radio show, and listen to another guy talk about his struggles, we get the benefit of what women have been reaping the benefit for thousands of years, talking about stuff mm-hmm. that matters. We're talking about not just about football and cars, our hobbies, but we're talking about what really matters. And our lives right now, we really struggle with having purposeful struggle. 
Human beings don't do good when we're not struggling. But if we're struggling for something that doesn't have a return on that investment, it's really difficult. So I'm very proud of you that you're doing this. I'm very happy. I know a lot of men and people in general are going to benefit from this. I mostly, my podcast mostly with moms and any, they're always asking, do you have something for guys? Do you have something for guys? And I have another resource for them now. Uh, well, thank you. And, and it has been helpful. I mean, what, one of the things that I've learned is, is being vulnerable has been a, a good source to actually um, help me out. All right, we got to take a break right now. When we come back, because I want to talk about the relationship with family and food and all that stuff. And uh, food and your mood. Yes. Can you just high, stay? For, yes. We have a lot. Yeah, we, we have, have a lot we have to a, ask. Yeah, actually even Thursday. All mm-hmm. right, you're listening to Really Healthy with Scott Mitchell, Melanie Douglas here, our guest today, David Kozlowski. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Really Healthy. Scott Mitchell, Melanie Douglas here. Our guest uh, today is David Kozlowski. Uh, we, we were talking about you know, the vulnerability and, yeah. and being willing to have the conversation. And that was part of this for me. And, and people can join our, our show and our, our, they can go on our website. They can follow along yeah. with us for free. Yeah. We, we realize that this is a, a challenge and a problem for a lot of people in America. But I want to go back to a comment you made about families and that association we have uh, uh, around food, and it, it's very accurate. But so my my family, in an attempt to, and it's out of love, yeah. But in an attempt to help me, they they eat differently, or they did. They actually they actually don't anymore. But they ate differently than I did, and so they'd have all the you know really good crappy food, and then they and it'd be like oh, but you can't have any of this, and they would. <laughs> my wife would go to great lengths. You to mean even, the treats? Right, uh, treats okay. and just and and just kind of. You know, the like really, really good food that's got all the, you know, all the bad stuff in it for you. Uh, I want to just talk about that statement, right. but we'll Cookies save that for later. And, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. And so um, it would really, it really make me feel mad. Yeah. And, and feel like, well, what's wrong with me? Why do you guys get to eat all of this? And what makes me so odd or um, different that I can't do it? And so... So I would find it, and I would eat it. And not only would I eat it, I'd eat a lot of it. Yeah. And I do it out of spite. And yeah. and uh, and that and 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 when you talk about, I'm telling you the deep dark secrets here, right? Because <laughs> because uh, uh, it just I'm it, a professional secret keeper, but I don't know if everyone listening yeah. can keep the secret. <laughs> yeah. the, but but I I rec- you know yeah. um, I recognize that that wasn't really a good thing. And what's happened is my family actually likes to eat like I do now. And they all yeah. recognize the importance of of a uh, healthy diet. They want me to live a long time, and and they want to live a, a good, healthy life as well. Well, um, so first thing that comes to mind is uh, what you just described sound very similar to what parents do with their kids to protect their kids. Your okay. family's trying to protect you, right? So, so the reason why they're trying to protect you is you sh- you showed them, you taught them how to protect you. What you did was for many years you kept all these things a secret. Your struggle, your stress. Do you come home as a dad and complain to your kids about the business deals that aren't working out for you? All these different types of things. Do you want to come home and dump all that on your kids? Or do you want to hold that from them and protect them from it? And you eat all the crappy stuff so that they don't have to. I do that, yeah. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. Us as parents, we're modeling for our families. Sometimes we're not modeling the right things. Well, so how do you change the model then? 
Okay, well, before we get to learn a little bit okay. more about this, a lot of people want to jump straight to the solution. Yeah, just tell me how to yeah. fix it. Yeah, just how to fix it. So l- l- let me tell you a little story. Now, this is a story I'm combining a whole bunch of situations all into just kind of one hybrid story because the information I'm about to share, if I was to talk about one person, this is you know this is confidential information about a client. So in the past year and a half, I've had multiple occasions where I'm treating or I'm helping a, a young person, a teenager, boy or girl, and this has happened a lot. It started to get really, I'm like, this something's going on here. I don't know why this is happening a lot, but it just started to naturally happen. Here's what happened. I'm helping a young man or young woman with suicidal thoughts, self-harm, depression, all these things. And then once they get to a point where they start to feel a little bit better about themselves and they're getting in a better place, then their worries and their struggles start to go towards a different direction. And in these groups of families that I'm referring to, it hasn't been all the families, but in these specific groups of families, these young people are concerned about one, if not both of their parents' physical well-being, their health. See, the people that I'm talking to, their kids are young, they have the you know high metabolism, they're slender and all those things, and their parents are sitting here out of shape, very unhealthy. A couple of these kids, their, their fathers had very serious heart issues, heart surgeries. They thought their father was going to die, and everybody's telling them, and they're looking at their parent, and they're just scared to death. And their parents are not talking about that stuff. They're not sharing that information. And they're upset. And these kids are coming to my counseling sessions saying, all right, you guys have done a good job for the past year making sure I get help. Now let me share something with you. I need you to be here because we've been struggling in our relationship for the past three or four years. Now relationship's getting good. I would hate for you to die now. We're just now starting to get a connection. Nobody does things and really sticks to it without proper motivation. When these stories happen, I'm giving you a very short version of it, but when these stories happen, a mom and a dad are sitting there listening to their kid. They were worried about their kid committing suicide a year ago. Now their kid's doing better than they are, and their kid's worried about them dropping dead of a heart attack, and they can't say nothing because they know he or she is right. The pendulum starts to shift. Families have this very, it's called homeostasis. We We all want to stay our normal way of functioning. We don't want to change. We don't want to evolve. But in the world we live in, if we don't evolve, we die. Right? If we have bad right. eating habits, if we don't change those eating habits, you know, if we have a, a business model, it's not, it's not okay for 2018, we better change that or we're going to die. So these kids, your family members, subconsciously, and maybe they're actually telling you things, they're trying to break the homeostasis, the normal pattern of functioning in the family. And so they're trying to have a voice and start talking to you. In the very beginning, it's very common where people hide food from from their parents, but that's no different than the parent hiding the cell phone from the kid. The goal is to not teach your kids how to never use their cell phone. It's how to manage and have a healthy relationship. The goal is for not hide food from you because it makes you mad like a disgruntled teenager. The goal is to actually get to a point where you can have a healthy relationship with food. And that that is really, really powerful. And I think a lot of parents don't realize that kids are watching them or worried oh, about yeah. them in that way. Very worried. Because the kids don't say it. The kids look like yeah. normal angry teenagers. But once they feel safe and they can talk about these things, parents are sitting here, by the way, those, those families, mm-hmm. one of the moms, she heard that one session. Next time I saw her, she's wearing yoga pants and she'd been hitting the gym every day. <laughs> she had a different motivation good, yeah. and it's, it's stuck for months now. So mm-hmm. you have... You, if I'm understanding correctly, yeah. you have the parents are worried about the kids. Yeah. But the kids, in actuality, w- why they're acting out or where, where they are in their life is because they're worried about their parents. 
No, that, that, that's not. that's not actually what I'm saying. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is that the presenting problem when I when I meet these families, the parents are saying, "My kid's self harming. Right. They're suicidal." And usually, these are middle to upper class, very good, good in the sense that they're not bad people, not right. bad families. So it would be very ironic. Like, why would these good families have a kid that's struggling? Once we figure those things out, we start to find out that one thing that's lacking in their connection is that the parent is more like the authoritarian and the kid is the one who's like, here's the way I put it. The parent's the boss of the family Mm -hmm. and the kid's the employee. The parent wants the kid to be a better employee. When I tell the parents that the goal is not to make your kid a better employee, it's to make them able to take over the family business. They need to be a manager. They need to be in control of their relationship with their friends, peers, cell phones. They learn how to manage that. And then the kids then turn around and say, if this worked for me, this process worked for me by me taking ownership and by you not pointing out all the times that I'm doing these wrongs, but instead work as a partnership with their kids, then it switches back and the kids say, I want to be a partner for you. I want to share with you that I'm worried about you, but I don't want to try to control you and hide things from you. I want to help you through it. So the kids feel like they have no control? They feel like they're, what, what is it? That the kids these... are worried about their parents' health. And yeah. they're worried, and it, this is about um, parents like modeling that my health and fitness is important and I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to be here for you. So the kid's not worried. I mean, if my kid's at home wondering if I'm going to have a heart attack because I have high blood pressure or I'm not exercising, that your kids are actually worried about your health. That should be motivation right there. Human being relationships are like mirrors. We're looking at other people to see if they're okay with us to know if we're okay with ourselves. So to answer your question, Scott, here's a typical scenario that happens. Kid comes in after all that stuff happens. Wait just a second. I want you to finish that, but we got to take a break. Okay. So we're we're going to come back and we're going to talk about um, how to fix all this. Yeah, absolutely. I need a lot of fixing. All right. (laughs) You're listening to Really Healthy. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Really Healthy. Scott Mitchell, Melanie Douglas here with uh, David Kozlowski, who's, uh, this has been an eye-opening thing because I think about my relationship with my kids and this whole food thing. So now you're telling us, talk us through what you were explaining before the break about kind of how to put this into uh, practical action, I guess. So kids, just like all human beings, they have a brain who's trying to solve problems. And if they see that their parents have high stress levels and they don't know what the stress is coming from because they've never been an adult, they've never had to pay bills, they've never had a family. All they know is that their parent does certain habits and rituals when they're really stressed. Some of those may be staying up really late at night and eating unhealthy. By the way, recent research has proven those are the top two things that affect people's weight. Eating uh, improperly and poor sleep. Okay, so that's a whole other subject. Point is, they're seeing these patterns. And so kids, as they become teenagers, they start to say, hey, uh, I noticed that, you know, when you eat a lot, like you're kind of grumpy. <laughs> it's not like those, yeah. that information is elicited by the parents. The parents are like, oh, please tell me about all my insecurities and put a spotlight on my struggles because I really want to hear that. No, parents in a stressful day, they'd prefer that their kids be obedient to what they want so that they could just get one win for them in their life that day. If you just do these simple things for me, I can be okay. 
But there's something about family systems we realize that's a short fix. That's not a long-term goal. If mom and dad aren't sleeping well, aren't eating, and aren't healthy, then they're struggling. But there's no purpose to that struggle. So here's what a couple young people did. They came in. They said, hey, now that I'm doing better, I'm really worried about my parents. We had conversation with their parents. The parents had a lot more resistance than they thought they would. Mm -hmm. Moms and dads were like visually upset. They had private sessions with me outside their kids saying, what's going on? Why are my kids saying these things? And they got upset and angry. You know how every one of those sessions ended? Them crying. Not because them being upset and angry was what was the problem. It triggered and elicited a lot of shame, a lot of insecurities. And then they started to realize, oh my gosh, my kid actually cares about me. My kid's worried about my well-being and future because the kid knows they're going to be able to have more, they're going to be able to have conversations that are more easygoing. They're going to be able to partner up with their parents if their parents are happy and healthy. But it comes down to respect too. Human beings respect other human beings that suffer for a purpose and do strong, hard, difficult things. So do you talk to your kids and tell them, look, I'm having a bad day here or I, you know, I've got kind of distress going on or... You know, what, what, what is it that you actually do to kind of work through that? Do you have a conversation? What, what things need to happen? Well, you said in the very beginning, being vulnerable is not easy for you and you're not good at it. Well, the reason why you're not good at it, because it's new. Do you want your kids to be your age and figure this out? Well, I'd prefer not to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've yeah. never met a parent who says, I want my kids to be just like me. Yeah. Like you want them to be better. You want them to level up. So in order to get them in the game of conversating and talking about their thoughts, their feelings and emotions, it's practice runs to figure out how they actually do think and feel. So, yeah, ideally, it'd be great if parents just start having these conversations with their kids. But someone's got to go first. Who's going to be vulnerable first? Usually parents, when they try to be vulnerable, it's like, hey, why don't you tell me what's going on? And then you tell me what's going on. And I know more about you. And that's good. That's not vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, I have to share. Yeah, exactly. This whole, well, this whole, I knew this topic was coming. And so just thinking about how how food connects to my, my mood personally, I have been a moody eater for the past few days, just thinking because now this topic is in my mind, but I was a moody eater yesterday and I actually thought I was doing a really good thing and you're going to laugh at me, but I've had a really bad day. I was grumpy and I pulled my teenage daughter aside and I said, you know what? I've had a really bad day. And I go, I need to go out to dinner. I did this. I just did this yesterday. And she goes, okay, mom, let's go out to dinner. And we started driving and we listened to music and we started talking. And I was like, you know what? Let's go get groceries instead and go home and cook. So it worked out fine. But I actually, I can't believe, I thought I was being vulnerable telling her I had a bad day. But then I actually was self-medicating with food. (laughs) The whole thing is just, yeah, I told you don't. I guess as a parent, you don't realize the way you're presenting these things to your kids. Well, how many times do you think your kids are amazing and think all these great things about them, but it never comes out of your mouth? Yeah. Because you're so focused, and everybody does this naturally, you're so focused on survival and making things that things are taken care of that we sometimes, by the way, what you did, I would have told you to do the exact same thing. The part is telling her, I'm having a difficult day. If you see this face, this isn't because of you. This is because of me. So let's go do something about it. I always say the kryptonite to depression, addiction, anything that ends with the shun is connection. Hmm. Your connection with your food emulates your connection with your kids and vice versa. So if you have a strong connection with your kids and you see them progressing, every parent wants their kid to be obedient. But you know what every parent likes even more? When your kid comes back and does things that you didn't even teach them to do and you're looking at your spouse going, 
they're smarter than we are at that age. I love that. And when they do that, they inspire us. They motivate us. So these are the times where you can tell your kids, say, listen, I want you to do some things to change and correct your life, but I think it's only fair for you to tell me some things you're concerned about me. If you ask for someone to criticize you, it's not really critical. You're giving them the green light. I want you to share information with me because you might have insight about things that I'm doing that I don't. It changes the dynamic of the relationship, and this can start at a very young age. Hmm. So, wow. um, so when you recognize that you're having this distress or whatever, um, you know, Melanie mentioned, "Well, we go get food." Because I, I just think of, <laughs> yeah. I think of like when so, I was, uh, you know, "Hey, let's go get an ice cream." Right. I yeah, mean, you, 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 we you're, kind of you're feeling we, kind of blue. We do that let's go parents. get an ice cream. Yeah. You know? Let's go. And, and so food. so it's more of a conversation. It's more of um, more more of a constructive process of of relating or working through. And, and I guess I guess it's just recognizing it as well. Just say, look, because I think that's a hard. Um, I don't know that you recognized it maybe the other day when you said. I'm having a bad day. Let's go eat. Did you recognize well, it I in start, the moment? I thought or, or? I, I thought I was doing a good thing by c- communicating that I was feeling vulnerable and I was you having were. a bad day. That was good. But but the part as a dietitian where I'm like I probably shouldn't have self-medicated with food and took her on that part of the journey with me because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to turn to food to make me feel better and I was taking her along with me. But, you know, we did something else instead as we sat in the car. Do another activity. What else can you do with your children to um, healthier things you can do? Go work out together. Go for a walk. Listen to music together. It doesn't have to be food. Well, you had a very simple, the funny thing is I think you're missing something. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. It was successful. So the way I would have looked at that is you decided to go eat, but since you were with your daughter and you started talking and connecting with your daughter, remember, the kryptonite to food addiction is connection. Yeah. So as you started connecting with your daughter, you started to feel good. Your brain produces a neurochemical at that moment called oxytocin. That oxytocin made you feel good, and if you feel good, why would you eat something bad, especially when you know better? So you did a U-turn, went to Harmon's instead, went home and cooked a healthy meal. So... It, you, you're kind of punishing yourself for something you're you right. didn't actually do, but you actually started right, went there, connected your kid and realized this is what you want to do, and you circle back around to a success. You're right. I'm a super mom. You are amazing. I am a super mom. <laughs> and so it. are you, David. And uh, unfortunately, we, we, we've run out of time. Uh, and I feel like we just kind of even scratched the surface. There's so, yeah. so much more here. Uh, but some interesting things to think about, because I, I hadn't thought about this in a relationship with my family. So... All right, uh, you've been listening to Really Healthy, brought to you by Alpine Plastic Surgery. Please go to our website, reallyhealthyshow.com, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Really Healthy Podcast, and we hope you have a really healthy day.